Sport, everybody. Welcome to Work-Life Balance. I'm so glad you're here for the launch of this brand new series. What is your favorite junk food? Anybody have a favorite? Shout it out. Mine is raw cookie dough or chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I just can't stop. Can't say anybody have a favorite? Favorite? You can't stop? Cookies? Oreo? Cheat? Cheetos? Cheetos? Okay. Anything else? What is it? Potato chips. Potato chips. Okay. All right, that's wonderful. You know, um, with my situation with the chocolate chip cookie dough, it's worse when Krista makes the, like, from scratch. Because, like, hey, can you clean the bowl? And I start, I just can't stop. And every time I afterwards, and it's so great in the moment, you know what I'm saying? But afterwards, I feel so sick every time and sluggish. Like, oh, I just feel terrible. So uh, we were on vacation just a few weeks ago. We were in a place, actually not too far from here, Popcorn. Is anybody a big fan of popcorn? Anybody? Yeah, what is the deal? How did this happen? Chris's mom used to eat popcorn every single night before she went to bed. Popcorn, like, it is a, they had a shop where we were, that's all they did was popcorn. Like 50 different flavors of popcorn, but popcorn, that was it. Nothing but popcorn. And so we bought a bag, we loved it so much, we actually bought it for somebody else. We bought two bags, one for us, one for them as a gift, because we knew they would love it. And um, we loved it so much, we actually ate their bag and had to stop on the way home to get it. But Consumer Reports just came out with their healthiest popcorn. And because healthy food is going to play a big role in today's message about work-life balance, I got a bunch of these bags. So uh, we've got four bags for over here, four here, and four here. Where are my VIP all-stars? Oh, right here. You've already opened the bags. Oh, you didn't want it to crinkle. This is great. Okay, whoever wants a bag of healthy, but this is the healthiest popcorn on the market. And raise your hand. I thought I was getting a little tiny bag. It's a big jumbo, so you can actually share it with your friends that are all around. Oh, you're throwing it. Okay, are they, are they, are they, we, uh... Where's Pastor Matt? I mean, did, did we, is it open? Are you throwing the open? Ba- okay, all right, great. Whoa, man. All right. <laughs> we're off to a, all right, we're off to a great start. This is a great start. This is wonderful. Okay, enjoy your popcorn. Enjoy your popcorn. Listen, uh, work-life balance. Work-life balance, actually, everybody is a piece of cake. Uh, so I, um, I Googled it. And I, I went on Yahoo, and then I chat GPT, then I went to the mountaintop and I asked my wife, Krista, what are the main principles of work-life balance? And they all begin with, uh, all, almost all of them do, there's total consensus, right? In a divided city, there's like total unanimity, un, uh, unity around this issue. It all begins with no, no. So I want to say this before I put all of them up there before you, right? Here's the thing I want you to remember. No is the seed for you to succeed. No is the seed for you to succeed. If you are out of balance, you got to start with no. So I, I'd like you actually to just say the word no with me. Can you do that just so we can get into practice? So one, two, three, no, no. And you need to say it without guilt, right? Does anybody have guilt when you say no? I want you to be able to say it without, without any guilt whatsoever and say it like you mean it. Because you're going to have to get comfortable with the word no in order to have work-life balance. And if you don't have work-life balance, it has a lot of negative effects on your health, on your relationship. So let's do it again. One, two, three. No. no. Thank you very much. Here's the big five. I'm going to show you all five here. You see that it starts with no. Next week, we're going to talk about priorities, and we're going to get that from a very interesting angle. And then, and then in week three, we're going to talk about flexibility. So important. 
Um, always throughout this series and throughout the principles of work-life balance, small, slow, steady. And we always want to like start, like microwave this thing. This is going to be a slow cook. This is going to be a crockpot situation towards work-life balance. And then finally, mindfulness. Now, this actually, mindfulness actually blows my mind. When I have studied, and I have done a lot of study in the last 10 years on anxiety, addiction, uh, depression, discontentment, which we're going to talk about a lot today, discontentment, the thing that just always, always comes up, and most of the time, people will say, there's one expert, Judd Brewer, who wrote a book about anxiety. He's just... He's a data guy, and he said, mindfulness is the number one way to deal with anxiety and addiction and depression, discontent. He was specifically talking about anxiety. So anyway, well, there you go. This is what I'm saying. That's what you do. So if you're out of balance, there you, how hard could it get? Just, just do that, and you're going to be in balance, Washingtonian. You're going to have no problems. It's an absolute piece of cake. So I thought about that, and then I saw this video, and I want to show you this video. You've probably seen this video before, but I, I've seen this video. It's about a sheep, I guess, or whatever. And, you know, he's getting out of this pit of despair here. But, uh, so he's out. Now he's free. And, and then all of a sudden, whammo. Okay. And, and I said, you know what? That's me. That's me in work-life balance. Like, I know what to do. I just can't keep doing it. I, I know what to do. I just don't know how do I keep doing the what of what I need to do. And I keep falling back in the pit. So there must be, there must be a problem. There must be an underlying root problem. And that's what we're after today. We want to start with the root. So all those five things, the big five, you got to have them. You got to have them, but you're never going to do them until you actually deal with the root problem. And, and here's what Einstein says about defining problems. I love this quote. I've said it before. It's because I love it. If I only had one hour to save the world, I'd spend 55 minutes defining the problem and only five minutes finding the solution. So those five things that I put up there, okay, that, that is not the problem, right? There's a root problem underneath that that we've got to get to. A number of years ago, everybody, I, uh, my vestibular system got way out of whack, like way out of whack. And I was totally out of balance, just like a lot of us with work-life stuff, okay? I was completely, badly out of balance. I mean, so bad. This started in 2017 that when I spoke, I had to sit on a stool. And sitting on the stool, it wasn't, people said, you got vertigo. I didn't have vertigo. Uh, it was something completely, vertigo, the room is spinning, all right? What was happening to me is I was spinning. I felt like I was on, a, on the fastest roller coaster you'd ever been on in your life, okay? And it was going up and down and loops and all that. So I'd sit on the stool and I felt like I was going to fly off at any second. I told Chris, I said, look, I'm um, not going to do weddings anymore because they were the most... They were the most traumatic to me because you just have to stand there. Like, and if all of a sudden you fall down, it's not going to go well, right? So, so it was a problem. And I went to 13 different doctors and nobody could diagnose me. 13 for, for almost two years. Once somebody finally correctly diagnosed the problem, boom, it was over. So this is what we're going to try to do. Let's go down to the root of this thing and figure out what is the root underneath of all this that is throwing Washingtonians out of balance, out of balance. So listen, I'm really fired up about this book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. Like this book is absolutely amazing. Um, when we think of great philosophers, usually Aristotle and Plato and Confucius are at the top of the list, right? Those are the guys. I just want to suggest to you, in my opinion, and there's some other 
people much smarter than me that agree with this. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is the greatest philosophy ever been produced by a human being in the world. Like it's as if God wrote it. It's so absolutely brilliant. It's incredible. It's about a life that is radically out of balance. So if you read that book, some of you have read it before and it starts with meaningless, meaningless, everything's me like, man, this is so depressing. What is going on here? But you got to understand, this is what happens when a life is radically out of balance. Everything begins to seem really meaningless. I was talking to a young doctor a few years ago. This person was brilliant. They went to the best schools. I think they went to an Ivy League, actually medical school. They had an incredibly bright future and they were working a gazillion hours. And they said to me, um, I thought a number of years ago, right, this tremendous bright future and they put so much hard work into it. I thought about just totally quitting. Why? Why were you thinking about quitting? Because it didn't make sense anymore. I didn't care. I just didn't see the point. That's all I did was work. And they said, I said well, what did you do? I went to my father and I said, I'm thinking about quitting. And my dad said, why? Why are you thinking about quitting? And, and they said, because I'm not happy. And the dad said, who cares about you being happy? I don't care about you being happy. I raised you to make a bunch of money. Here's, here's the point. Here's the point. They had worked so hard. They were so far out of balance mentally, physically, emotionally, that they were at a dangerous point where they didn't see the point of anything anymore. That's where we can get. And that's what Ecclesiastes is saying is that if you get so far out of balance and if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. But some of us like skip dangerously close to that. Things can seem really meaningless. Now, here's here is how it begins. After it starts in verse number one and two by saying everything's meaningless, nothing makes sense, all that, there's a line in here that's kind of repeated throughout. It's in verse number eight of chapter one. And this is what it says. No eye has ever surveyed the world and said, I've seen enough. No ear has ever listened to creation and said, I've heard enough. What is the root problem? Discontentment. Underneath all of this, there's actually a line in Ecclesiastes that says, you know, we're working, we're toiling, we're struggling, we're struggling. Why? Because we see our neighbors and we just want to keep up with them. We're like, I, I got to stay up. The Bible talks about these famous Ten Commandments. The final command is do not covet. We have something inside of us that wants more and more and it's never enough. It's always the next step. We have to deal with that root that is inside of us if we are going to be able to move on. Now, Ecclesiastes is an extremely unique book because it experiments with everything, everything. There's an experiment on life and what life is all about. So in Ecclesiastes, it says, the writer says, I'm going to work. I'm going to work, 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 work. Like this could have been written by a Washingtonian for Washingtonians. I'm going to work, 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 work. Uh, we did this series uh, a couple months ago called Love is Blind. It's this you know, show, I think it's on uh, Netflix, right? So popular. They wanted to bring Love is Blind to Washington, D.C. I think I shared it during the series. They were never able to bring it to Washington, D.C. You know why? Nobody was willing to take time off of work to be on the cast of Love is Blind, right? So we work, work, work. So this guy says, I'm going to work. I'm going to go, 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 go. I'm going to do, 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 do. He said, that didn't work. And then he says, I'm going to get education. Now, You've heard me say this before. This is the most educated county, Arlington County in the United States of America. We're in it. We're in it. Okay. Education. He says, I'm going to learn, 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 learn. I'm going to get all the degrees I can. And then he says, that doesn't work. Then he says, I'm going to build a bunch of stuff. 
I'm gonna make a bunch of accomplishments. I'm gonna earn, you know, this award and that award for building, building, building. He says, that doesn't work. Then he says, then he says, I'm gonna try pleasure. I'm gonna do all the great stuff. I'm gonna have a lot of fun. I'm gonna eat a lot of great food. This guy became a total foodie, okay? Which again, Arlingtonians. We love to eat out. We're second in the nation for eating out. Arlingtonian said, this is why I love this book, because it was like it was written directly for us. There's only one city in the United States of America that also begins with the letter A that eats out more than us. Anybody know who it is? Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas. But Arlington County is number two in America for eating out. This guy said, I'm going to eat out. That doesn't do it. He said, I'm going to have a lot of fun. That doesn't. He says, I'm going to take a lot of substances. And that didn't do it. And then finally, he says, I'm going to do a lot of stuff. And you can read about it yourself. It's in chapter two. I'm going to do a lot of stuff that begins with the letter S and begins and ends with the letter X. And you can maybe think about that yourself. But he says, none of that does it. And then he says, what is wrong? Why am I not satisfied? Like there's a brief moment of satisfaction and then it just all falls short. Now, would anybody like to live in paradise If you had an opportunity to live in paradise, would you like to live in paradise? I would like to live in paradise. Adam and Eve have an opportunity. Adam and Eve, at the beginning of the Bible, they live in paradise. They had total paradise. And we're told that they were discontent in paradise. Is that possible? Can you be discontent in paradise? And then you've got got later on in the Bible, you've got this guy named Paul. He's in prison. He's in a terrible Roman prison. And he said he had learned to be content. Is that true? Like if you're in paradise, can you be miserable? And if you're in prison, can you be content? Is that possible? Is that, is that really true? Does it work? There's this guy. He's this superstar, super, super. Heavy emphasis on super. He's a superstar quarterback. His name is Tom Brady. Anybody ever heard of Tom Brady? Yeah, I can see some of you aren't really enthused about Tom Brady. But let me tell you about Tom Brady for those of you who don't know Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a superstar quarterback, super stud athlete, super rich, right? Uh, makes a super salary, has a ton of Super Bowls, used to be married to a supermodel, but that's a whole nother story, right? So he's done a lot of super things. After he won his third or fourth Super Bowl, he's famous for saying this. When Super Bowl is like, is this all there is? This is it? There's got to be more than this. Now, look. I'm imagining every guy in this room wants to be Tom Brady. Super rich, super celebrity, all of these things, stud athlete. He's got it all. And he's like, there's got to be more than this. So what the Bible is actually saying is true. We have the evidence for it. So we need to go a little bit deeper and figure out what's driving this. And that is this seed, this root, this tree of discontentment in us, and we've got to deal with it. Is it true that we're measuring, right? That Ecclesiastes says we envy other people and it drives us to work, 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 work. I read this uh, study years ago, everybody, and this is what it says. Would you like to make $50,000 a year or would you like to make $100,000 a year? Everybody, which one do you want to make, 50 or 100? 100. You want to make 100, 100. All right, one little twist to it, Okay. You get to make $50,000 a year and everybody around you makes $25,000 a year. Or we're going to pay you twice the amount of money. We're going to pay you $100,000 a year, but everybody around you makes $200,000 a year. Almost 100% of people said, I'll take the 50. See, there's this seed of this. So when Ecclesiastes says it's never enough, that is totally true. It's never enough. What is the path to contentment? We find it in Ecclesiastes 6.9. This is what it says. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says... 
Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. That's the path of contentment. It's wanting what you already have rather than wanting what you don't have. Now, who would like to understand the entire Bible? Anybody here this morning like, I would like to understand the entire Bible. Okay, there's five of us in the room that we're excited. We want to understand the whole Bible. I'm really excited about wanting to understand the whole Bible. So I'd like to explain the whole Bible to you in just the next few, what, 10 minutes of the rest of this uh, service here this morning, okay? Here's what the entire Bible is about. It's about an epic battle between two things. Epic battle. Is it the battle between good and evil? No. Is it the battle between God and Satan? Nope. It's the battle between being and doing between being and doing i won't explain it this way let me tell you what a doer is a doer a doer is somebody who is focused on results goals action and productivity they get it done they evaluate things they judge things quality control and then they move on they struggle with discontentment and burnout you have to be a doer you have to be a doer God's word is really clear about that. But here's the other thing, a beer. And this is how you spell it. I know you think that's not how you spell it. All kinds of people say, wait a minute, you misspelled it. No, no, I checked chat, chat GPT. And this is how you spell it, beer. You need more beer in your life, okay? But beer, what is a beer? A beer is somebody who is focused on being fully present. They experience life, notice this, as it is, as it is right they value the moment and they value you and they value you for who you are not what you do that's a beer that's a beer they have a deep connection both with themselves and with other people that's a beer but they can struggle with motivation now i want to go through you can find this i could give you so many examples i'm going to give you just three but they're really three big ones, right? And the first one is this, is what we've talked about before. Krista said, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about Elohim and Yahweh again. Yes, yes, yes. From the opening chapters, because it sets, it's setting up the pace, everything. Okay. It's, it's, it's Elohim versus Yahweh, Esau, Jacob, Martha versus Mary. Elohim is God doing stuff. It's not God's name. You read in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That's not God's unique name. It is something that God does. It's what God does. It's goal oriented. What does God do? God separates stuff. And a lot of us are really interested in what God does. Like who's in, who's out, who's in heaven, who's in hell, who's the sinner, who's the saint, what God does. This is what God does. God evaluates, God separates. God says, hey, I'm creating humanity in my image and they're going to rule. I'm going to rule over them and they're going to rule over the earth. They're going, it's about what God is doing and what God is doing through you. Now, what is interesting, everybody, is this is the word that is used for God 40 times, 40 times in Ecclesiastes. The only picture that the writer has whose life is radically out of balance in Ecclesiastes is a picture of Elohim, the doer. That's the only thing he sees. God is only interested in what I do, do, do. And his life is completely, radically out of balance and hurting badly. Okay? Now, Yahweh. Yahweh is the unique name of God. Like, people are called Elohim in the Bible. People are called Elohim in the Bible. Money. Power is called Elohim in the Bible. Nothing, nothing but God is called Yahweh in the Bible. This is the beer side of God. 
This is Genesis chapter two. What happens in Genesis chapter two? Now we always read about this whole thing in Genesis chapter one and we fight about it. The six days of creation, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden we get the seventh day. By the way, the seventh day never ends. That's a problem. And then you get to Genesis chapter two and all of a sudden you learn about Yahweh and it says in the day everything was created. Time stops. What day? I thought there were six days. No, there's just one day. This is the Yahweh. This, this, my friends, is the being side of God. God loves you for who you are. Here, I'm interested in what God does. Here, I am interested in who God is. Everybody want to say this. You will, you will never understand what God does until you understand who God is. But most of us want to start with the what instead of the who. And therein lies all the difference for us. We have to understand that first. Now let's go Esau, Jacob. Esau and Jacob. You know, this is a famous story in the Bible. Uh, it's short. It's pretty fascinating if you never read it before. But you've got to feel bad about the firstborn son. His name is Esau. He comes out. We're told he's red. He's hairy. He's the firstborn. He's like a fully formed man. These guys are probably identical twins, actually. There's, you know, we can talk about that more some other time. But they fight. Jacob, whose name means deceiver, deceives Esau out of his birthright because he was hungry. Okay, and then he steals his blessing. And at some point, you got to feel really bad about Esau. It's like, why is God treating this guy this way? And why does God decide that Jacob is the one who is going to carry the message of who God is to the world? Like the world needs to know who God is. Jacob's going to do it. Like, why not Esau? He seems like the better dude to me. Esau's name, his name means doer. He's the get it done person. He's the guy you want to hire because he knows how to get it done. He's the first vertically integrated company in the entire world. He is farm to table. He can do it all. He can hunt. He can skin. He can cook and he can serve. He can do it all. And we're told that his father loved him. Why? His father loved him because of what he could do. And we're told that Jacob's mother loved him. Why? No reason at all because of who he was. Yahweh and Elohim. If you're stuck in Elohim, if you're stuck in focusing on what God does, if you're stuck on that, you are never going to find peace. You're never going to find contentment. This is how you find it. So uh, we read in this story that Jacob comes in to steal the blessing. And we're told that his father, Isaac, says, let me see your hands. Now, hands in the Bible represent what you can do. And Isaac says, oh, my gosh, I always know, knew that you were a beer. I didn't know you could also do. Last example. Mary and Martha. We got Martha, she's in the kitchen. She's working up a storm, man. She's working. Go, 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 go. Do, 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 do. Because Jesus is there with all of his hungry disciples who just want to eat, eat, eat. Okay? That's all I want to She's in it. And she comes out and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's just being. She's just devaluing the moment. And Martha says to Jesus, this is famous. Jesus, tell my lazy sister, Mary, to get up and help me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Your sister Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, you need both, everybody. I want to be super clear here. You need to have a balance between doing and being, but you've got to start with being. Here's the only way that we're going to chop down the tree of discontentment at the root of the problem in our life is if we first start with who God is, 
being Yahweh. That's the only way you're going to chop it down. I mean, you can, I can give you the principles of work-life balance all day long. You and I are never going to follow them. We're going to find ourselves like that sheep constantly going back into that pit of despair over and over again until we deal with this root problem inside of us. This is what Ecclesiastes is trying to say. It's kind of like baseball. You start at home plate and you end at home plate. Or Monopoly. You start at Pasco and get your 200 bucks and you keep going around to Pasco. You start with who God is, then you move to the what, and then you come back to the who again, and the who again, and the who again, and you saturate yourself with that, okay? This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 6. This is so good. He says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. How do I get great gain in my life? How am I going to get it? Godliness, that means what you do, your devotion to God, how you express your devotion to God. It's what you do. Here's contentment. It's who you are, loved by God. It's Yahweh. It's mindfulness. And if you put the two together, you'll have great gain. The Bible says we have to have a balance between who God is. That's the starting point. Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing. That's the starting point, who God is. And then you go to the what? James talks about faith and work, same thing. Jesus talks about grace and truth, same thing. But you've got to have a balance. Let me show you a quote here by Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell says this. says, discontent is the source of all trouble but also of all progress in both individuals and in nations. I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying. You have to do. You got it. We're Washingtonians. We do, do, do. That's what we do, right? That's who we are. But if you don't start by understanding who God is, if you don't start with being, you're never going to find yourself at the place you want to be. Now, I want to go to something that really fascinates me so much, and it's the connection between mindfulness in God's unique name of being Yahweh. If you'll look at the definitions for both of those terms, the name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh, and mindfulness, what you will find is they look almost identical. And what is fascinating to me, what blows my mind about the Bible is God tells us in his very name, when you read the best data that we have on how to chop down the tree of discontent or addiction or anxiety or depression, they will tell you your first stop should always be mindfulness. In other words, your first stop should be God. It should be the unique name of God who God is. And if you'll saturate yourself with who God is, it will transform your life. This is what God's word has said for years. And now this is in the last 20 years. This is what all the scientific data is coming back and saying that we need to like take our head and put it in a huge vat of who God is and soak our minds in that. And when we do, our lives will transform who God is. Now, God tells us who he is. There's one place in scripture, everybody, and I brought this up before, but we, we, we've got to go back to this because we have a lot of pictures of God. And most of those pictures, when people email, hey, Pastor John, I've never met you before. I'm thinking about coming to church. I'd like to, I'd like to come to church, but I got to know one thing. The question always is about the what God does. Tell me about how God separates people. They never say, hey, could you tell me what is your opinion of who God is? So when God decided in the Bible that he was going to describe himself to us for the very first time, when God decided what is going to be the most repeated verses in the entire Bible, I'm getting ready to show them to you. God felt that we needed to know this more than we needed to know anything else. It's in Exodus 34, 6. This is the most repeated words in the entire Bible. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, Yahweh. 
the Lord, Yahweh. Who is God? The number one way to define Yahweh is compassion. He's compassionate. He's gracious. And he's slow to anger. He's compassionate. He's full of grace for you. And he's full of patience for you. And God felt that you needed to know that about him more than anything else. Our question a lot of times is tell me what God, what God does or what is God going to do to me or what is God going to do to them? That's not the first question. If you want to be discontent and anxious the rest of your life, go for it. What the Bible says is, is you got to start. God has immense compassion for you. His, his grace never ends for you. His patience never wears out. You ever thought that to yourself before? I wonder when I'm going to wear out God's patience. So God says, I want, I want my people to know. Here's what I, I want to know who I am. And if we soak ourselves in those big three every single day of our life, it'll change our life. If we, if we practice mindfulness of these three big things to start our day, it'll change our life. So here's what I want to say. The way you start your day is going to chart your day. Now, God's words has said that repeatedly over and over again. Now, science says it over and over again. The way you start your day. You know, I'm such a doer that when I see this, I'm like, that'll never work. Just tell me what to do. Don't tell me to sit and think about how compassionate God is towards me and grace. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. Thank you. I've heard this for years. But when I began to learn as I studied through what is working with anxiety, what is working with discontent, what is working with depression, and they all said mindfulness, and it mirrors the definition of God's name, and then I read that incredible verse in Exodus, like, there must be something to this. This, everybody, is how we chop down the tree of discontent and how we find peace in who we are. So this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to focus on who God is. I want to ask you to seriously, seriously consider, since the Bible calls us to do this, that you would focus the start of your day all this week. Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. There's tremendous evidence for it. Think about those three things. Focus on who God is. God has unending compassion for you. God has unending grace for you. And God has unending patience. His patience will never, never, never wear out for you. Now I'm going to ask the music team if they'll come out and uh, help me uh, end this whole service. Um, and I want, to, I want to show you something as they come out. I want to show you a picture up on your screens if you look at it. So some people think that this guy, some people think, actually some people in my house think that this guy is good looking. I don't think he's good looking. I don't think he's good looking at all. And I'm sure none of you in this room think this guy is good looking. But a buddy of mine sent me this clip right after uh, the Washington football team, the commanders finally sold. And um, people ask me all the time, hey, what do you think about our chances this year and blah, blah, blah. What they don't understand is I, I have lived... I have lived in hell for 25 years, okay? I've been in this city my whole life, and I know what it was to be on the mountaintop, and now I know what it's to be in the valley of the shadow of death, okay? okay? And when that guy, okay, when that guy finally sold the team, okay, I just, I was like, yes, 
That's how I feel, right? This is McConaughey uh, during his uh, Dallas Buyers Club movie, right? I, I mean, I could, I could lay down on this stage and just cry. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, what's interesting about this is uh, my community group, I'm in, a, I'm in a guy's group. We read the McConaughey book. I think it's called something like Green Lights or something. And he talks about what he did to look like this. How did he go from this to this? And he talked about what he ate. I think my guys wanted to read it because they thought if we read the book, maybe we'd be better looking. But uh, this is what he said he did. He ate superfood. He ate superfood. Now, I know he looks terrible, okay? But this is what he says about him. He basically ate broccoli and blueberries all the time. That's all he ate was superfood. He didn't eat too much. He just ate just, just enough. He said physically, he never had more energy. He said mentally, he was never more creative in his life. Never more clear focus. He never had brain fog because of eating superfood. He was just on top of his game. And he said emotionally, he was so well balanced. He just felt so awesome because he was consuming nothing, nothing but superfood. Everybody, this is what I want to ask you to consider doing this week, okay? God gives us his superfood. This is how our lives are going to be radically transformed. Who God is, not what God does. Who God is, is God is compassionate. Will you start your day thinking about God's overwhelming compassion? God is gracious to you without end. And God's patience for you will never, never end. And if we will soak ourselves in that kind of superfood, our lives, according to God's word, will never be the same. And we'll be able to find balance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, um, that in a city filled with doers of type A Washingtonians, that you speak to us directly, so directly about what it is, God, that we really need to do. And that is we need to stop doing and just start being. This is such a struggle for me to actually pause to be still before you and to think that for some reason when I focus on who you are your compassion your grace your patience that somehow that's going to radically change my life I'm looking for the do and Lord I'm imagining a bunch of us in this room are the same way but God I'm asking that this week you'd help us you'd help us because your word says that when we do this it'll be so incredibly transformative to us help us to be still and to know who you are as God in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.